Section 29 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in November 2020. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 5. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd decline of the moorish power in spain growth and decay of the almoravide and almohade dynasties a d ten eighty six to twelve fourteen by s a dunham during the early part of the eleventh century the western caliphate which with its splendid capital of cordova had flourished for almost three hundred years entered upon a decline that was the beginning of its final dissolution by a d ten twenty the local governors openly asserted their independence of cordova and assumed the title of kings conspicuous among them was mahomet ben ismail ben abit the wali of seville while these petty rulers were determined to renounce allegiance to cordova it was resolved at that capital to elect a sovereign to subdue them and restore the ancient splendour of the empire the choice fell upon Gehwar ben Mahomet, who soon established a degree of tranquillity and commercial prosperity unknown for many years. But he failed to re-establish the supremacy of Cordova, which capital Mahomet of Seville was preparing to invade when he died. His son, Mahomet al-Muatedet, having subdued southern Andalusia, became the ally of Mahomet, son and successor of Gehwar on the throne of Cordoba, but he betrayed the latter under pretense of aiding him against his enemies, and usurped the sovereignty. On the death of Mahomet al-Muatedet, his son Mahomet succeeded him at Cordoba. He was already king of Seville, and as he soon occupied many other cities, he became the most independent and powerful sovereign of Mahometan Spain. His chief rival, Yahia al Kadia, king of Toledo, was so contemptible to his people that they expelled him. He appealed for aid to Alfonso the Sixth, king of Leon, Alfonso of Castile, but that Christian soldier was persuaded by Mahomet to oppose, instead of assisting, Yahia. The latter was restored to his throne by the king of Badajoz, but Alfonso invested Toledo and, after a three years' siege, reduced the city in A.D. 1085. In the history of the events, directly following the capitulation, it is shown how costly to himself was the alliance of Mahomet with Alfonso, and how it played its part in the coming of his co-religionists from Africa to his assistance, and finally, as it proved, to his own undoing and the supplanting of the power he represented in the Mahometan government of Spain. The fall of Toledo, however it might have been foreseen by the Mohammedans, filled them with equal dismay and indignation. As Mahomet was too formidable to be openly assailed, they turned their vociferations of anger against his Hagib, whom they accused of betraying the faith of Islam alarmed at the universal outcry mahomet was not sorry that he could devolve the heavy load of responsibility on the shoulders of his minister the latter fled 
but though he procured a temporary asylum from several princes he was at length seized by the emissaries of his offended master was brought first to cordova next to seville confined within the walls of a dungeon and soon beheaded by the royal hand of mahomet thus was a servant of the king sacrificed for no other reason than that he had served that king too well the conquest of toledo was far from satisfying the ambition of alfonso he rapidly seized on the fortress of madrid maqueda guadalajara and established his dominion on both banks of the tagus mahomet now began seriously to repent his treaty with the christian and to tremble even for his own possessions he vainly endeavoured to divert his ally from the projects of aggrandizement which that ally had evidently formed the kings of badajoz and zaragoza became tributaries to the latter nay if any reliance is to be placed on either christian or arabic historians the king of seville himself was subjected to the same humiliation however this may have been mahomet saw that unless he leagued himself with those whose subjugation had hitherto been his constant object the princes of his faith his and their destruction was inevitable the magnitude of the danger compelled him to solicit their alliance as the king of saragossa was too much in fear of the christians to enter into any league against them and as the one of valencia yahia reigned only at the pleasure of alfonso the sovereigns of badajoz almeria and granada were the only powers on whose cooperation he could calculate he had annihilated the authority of several petty kings he invited those princes to send their representatives to seville to consult as to the measures necessary to protect their threatened independence the invitation was readily accepted on the day appointed mahomet with his son al-rasid and a considerable number of his wazirs and cadis was present at the deliberations the danger was so imminent the force of the christians was so augmented and that of the moslems so weakened that such resistance as mahometan spain alone could offer seemed hopeless with this conviction in their hearts two of the most influential cadiz proposed an appeal to the celebrated african conqueror yusuf ben tasfin whose arm alone seemed able to preserve the faith of islam in the peninsula the proposal was received with general applause by all present they did not make the very obvious reflection that when a nation admits into his bosom an ally more powerful than itself it admits at the same time a conqueror the vali of malaga alone abdallah ben zagud had courage to oppose the dangerous embassy under consideration you mean to call in the aid of the almoravides are you ignorant that these fierce inhabitants of the desert resemble their own native tigers suffer them not i beseech you to enter the fertile plains of andalusia and granada doubtless they would break the iron sceptre which alfonso intends for us but you would still be doomed to wear the chains of slavery do you not know that yusuf has taken all the cities of al-mahreb that he has subdued the powerful tribes of the east and west that he has everywhere substituted despotism for liberty and independence the aged sagud spoke in vain 
he was even accused of being a secret partisan of the Christian, and the embassy was decreed. But Sagut was not the only one who foresaw the catastrophe to which that embassy must inevitably lead. Al-Rasid shared the same prophetic feeling. In reply to his father, who, after the separation of the assembly, expatiated on the absolute necessity of soliciting the alliance of Aben Tasfin as the only measure capable of saking the rest of Mahometan Spain from the yoke of Alfonso, he said, This Aben Tasfin, who has subdued all that he pleased, will serve us as he has already served the people of Al-Maghreb and Mauritania. He will expel us from our country. Anything, rejoined the father, rather than Andalusia should become the prey of the Christians. Dost thou wish the Mussulmans to curse me? I would rather become a humble shepherd, a driver of Yusuf's camels, than reign dependent on these Christian dogs. But my trust is in Allah. May Allah protect both thee and thy people, replied Al-Rasid, mournfully, who saw that the die of fate was cast. The course of this history must be interrupted for a moment, while the origin and exploits of this formidable African are recorded. Before the chain of Mount Atlas, in the deserts of ancient Getulia, dwelt two tribes of Arabian descent, both, probably, of the greater one of Sanaga, so illustrious in Arabian history. At what time they had been expelled, or had voluntarily exiled themselves from their native Yemen, they knew not, but tradition taught them that they had been located in the African deserts from ages immemorial. Their life was passed under the tent, their only possessions were their camels and their freedom. Yahia ben Ibrahim, belonging to one of these tribes, that of Gudala, made the pilgrimage of Mecca. On his return through the province of Kerwan, he became acquainted with Abu Amram, a famous al-Fakwi, originally of Fez. Being questioned by his new friend as to the religion and manners of his countrymen, he replied that they were sunk in ignorance, both from their isolated situation in the desert and from their want of teachers. He added, however, that they were strangers to cruelty, and that they would be willing enough to receive instruction from any quarter. He even entreated the Al-Fakwi to allow some one of his disciples to accompany him into his native country, but none of those disciples were willing to undertake so long and perilous a journey, and it was not without considerable difficulty that Abdallah ben Yassim, the disciple of another Al-Fakwi, was persuaded to accompany the patriotic Yahia. Abdallah was one of those ruling minds which, fortunately for the peace of society, nature so seldom produces. Seeing his enthusiastic reception by the tribe of Gudala, and the influence he was sure of maintaining over it, he formed the design of founding a sovereignty in the heart of these vast regions. Under the pretext that to diffuse a holy religion and useful knowledge was among the most imperative of duties, he prevailed on his obedient disciples to make war on the kindred tribe of Lamtuna. That tribe submitted, acknowledging his spiritual authority, and zealously assisted him in his great purpose of gaining proselytes by the sword. His ambition naturally increased with his success. 
in a short time he had reduced in a similar manner the isolated tribes around him to his valiant followers of lamtuna he now gave the name of muraditins or almoravides which signifies men consecrated to the service of god the whole country of Dara was gradually subdued by this new apostle and his authority was acknowledged over a region extensive enough to form a respectable kingdom but though he exercised all the rights of sovereignty he prudently abstained from assuming the title he left to the emir of lamtuna the ostensible exercise of temporal power and when in a d ten fifty eight that emir fell in battle he nominated abu bekr ben omar to the vacant dignity his own death which was that of a warrior left abu bekr in possession of an undivided sovereignty the power and consequently the reputation of the emir spread far and wide and numbers flocked from distant provinces to share in the advantages of religion and plunder his native plains were now too narrow for the ambition of abu bekr who crossed the chain of mount atlas and fixed his residence in the city of agmat between those mountains and the sea but even this place was soon too confined for his increased subjects and he looked round for a site on which he might lay the foundations of a great city the destined metropolis of a great empire one was at length found and the city of morocco began to rear its head from the valley of elana before however his great work was half completed he received intelligence that the tribe of gudala had declared a deadly war against that of lamtuna and that the ruin of one at least of the hostile people was to be apprehended as he belonged to the latter he naturally trembled for the fate of his kindred and at the head of his cavalry he departed for his native deserts leaving the superintendence of the buildings and the command of the army during his absence to his cousin yusuf ben tasfin the person and character of yusuf are drawn in the most favourable colours by the arabian writers we are told that his stature was tall and noble his countenance prepossessing his eye dark and piercing his beard long his tone of voice harmonious his whole frame which no sickness ever assailed strong robust and familiar with fatigue that his mind corresponded with his outward appearance his generosity his care of the poor his sobriety his justice his religious zeal yet freedom from intolerance rendering him the admiration of foreigners and the love of his own people but whatever were his other virtues it will be seen that gratitude honour and good faith were not among the number scarcely had his kinsmen left the city than in pursuit of the design he had formed of usurping the supreme authority he began to win the affection of the troops partly by his gifts and partly by that winning affability of manner which he could easily assume how well he succeeded will soon appear nor was his success in war less agreeable to so fierce and martial a people as the almoravides the berbers who inhabited the defiles of mount atlas and who animated by the spirit of independence so characteristic of mountaineers endeavoured to vindicate their natural liberty were quickly subdued by him 
but his policy was still superior. He had long loved, or at least long aspired, to the hope of marrying, the beautiful Zainab, sister of Abu Bekr, but the fear of a repulse from the proud chief of his family had caused him to smother his inclination. He now disdained to supplicate for that chief's consent. He married the lady, and from that moment proceeded boldly in his projects of ambition. Having put the finishing touch to his magnificent city of Morocco, he transferred thither the seat of his empire, and by the encouragement he afforded to individuals of all nations who chose to settle there, he soon filled it with a prosperous and numerous population. The augmentation of his army was his next great object, and so well did he succeed in it that on his departure, in a hostile expedition against Fez, he found his troops exceeded one hundred thousand. With so formidable a force, he had little difficulty in rapidly extending his conquests. Yusef had just completed the subjugation of Fez when Abu Bekr returned from the desert and encamped in the vicinity of Agmat. He was soon made acquainted, probably common report had acquainted him long before, with the usurpation of his kinsmen. With a force so far inferior to his rivals, and still more with the conviction that the hearts of the people were weaned from him, he might well hesitate as to the course he should adopt. His greatest mortification was to hear his own horsemen, whom curiosity drew into Morocco, loud in the praises of Yusef, whose liberality to the army was the theme of universal admiration, and whose service for that reason many avowed their intention of embracing. He now feared that his power was at an end, yet he resolved to have an interview with his cousin. The two chiefs met about half-way between Morocco and Agmat, and after a formal salutation took their seats on the same carpet. The appearance of Yusef's formidable guard, the alacrity with which he was obeyed, and the grandeur which surrounded him, convinced Abu Bekr that the throne of the usurper was too firmly established to be shaken. The poor emir, so far from demanding the restitution of his rights, durst not even utter one word of complaint. On the contrary, he pretended that he had long renounced empire, and that his only wish was to pass the remainder of his days in the retirement of the desert. With equal hypocrisy, Yusuf humbly thanked him for his abdication. The sheikhs and balis were summoned to witness the renewed declaration of the emir, after which the two princes separated. The following day, however, Abu Bekr received a magnificent present from Yusuf, who, indeed, continued to send him one every year to the period of his death. Yusuf, who, though he had refused to receive the title of Al-Mumemin, which he considered as properly belonging to the Caliph of the East, had just exchanged his humble one of Emir for those of Al-Muslimin, or Prince of the Believers, and of Nazaradin, or Defender of the Faith, when the letters of Mahomet reached him. A similar application from Omar, king of Badajoz, he had disregarded, not because he was indifferent to the glory of serving his religion, still less to the advantage of extending his conquests, but because he had not then sufficiently consolidated his power. 
now however he was in peaceful possession of an extended empire and he assembled his chiefs to hear their sentiments on an expedition which he had resolved to undertake all immediately exclaimed that war should be undertaken in defence of the tottering throne of islam before however he returned a final answer to the king of seville he insisted that the fortress of algeziras should be placed in his hands on the pretence that if fortune were unpropitious he should have some place to which he might retreat that mahomet should have been so blind as to not perceive the designs involved in the insidious proposal is almost enough to make one agree with the arabic historians that destiny had decreed he should fall by his own measures the place was not only surrendered to the artful moor but mahomet himself went to morocco to hasten the departure of yusuf he was assured of speedy succour and induced to return he was soon followed by the ambitious african at the head of a mighty armament alfonso was besieging saragossa which he had every expectation of reducing when intelligence reached him of yusef's disembarkation he resolved to meet the approaching storm at the head of all the forces he could muster he advanced toward andalusia and encountered yusef on the plains of salaca between badajoz and merida as the latter was a strict observer of the outward forms of his religion he summoned the christian king by letter to embrace the faith of the prophet or consent to pay an annual tribute or prepare for immediate battle i am told added the writer that thou wishest for vessels to carry the war into my kingdom i spare thee the trouble of the voyage allah brings thee into my presence that i may punish thy presumption and pride the indignant christian trampled the letter under foot and at the same time said to the messenger tell thy master what thou hast seen tell him also not to hide himself during the action let him meet me face to face the two armies engaged the thirteenth day of the moon regeb a h 1479 october 23 a d 1086 the onset of alfonso at the head of the christian cavalry was so fierce that the ranks of the almoravides were thrown into confusion no less successful was sancho king of navarre against the andalusians who retreated towards badajoz but the troops of seville kept the field and fought with desperate valour they would however have given way had not yusef at this critical moment advanced with his reserve and his own guard consisting of his bravest troops and assailed the christians in the rear and flanks this unexpected movement decided the fortune of the day alfonso was severely wounded and compelled to retreat but not until nightfall nor until he had displayed a valour worthy of the greatest heroes though his own loss was severe amounting according to the arabians to twenty-four thousand men that of the enemy could scarcely be inferior when we consider that this victory had no result yusef was evidently too much weakened to profit by it End of section twenty nine.